Actually, he lives in Clyde. Everybody say Clyde. <laughs> but he's moving. He's moving to Pennsylvania. But Dennis really, uh, the Lord uses him prophetically. He's the only person, can I hold this for a second? He's the only person I know who brings his message and lets me review it before he gives it. <laughs> That's pretty good. But these are words that the Lord's given to him, uh, praying over our church. And uh, I think Dennis, when I was praying uh, at the beginning of this year about people I wanted to come to the church, Dennis was one of them. So I think he's had very fruitful ministry in this church in the past. So let's just give Dennis a welcome. Hallelujah. I really hate to get up here after our sister did that wonderful job of preaching. <laughs> that was a powerful message. Amen. And uh, thank God for these young people that God is filling with his Holy Spirit. Doesn't that give you hope for our land to see anointed young people like that that are coming along that God is raising up. Amen. That's our only hope, isn't it, is the move of God in our young people and uh, that next generation that's coming along. We thank God for that. Hallelujah. I just had a few things to share with you and uh, just a couple hours worth of preaching, but we're going to boil it down a little bit. And uh, in Exodus chapter 31 in verse 1, just want to share some things that God spoke to me about this fellowship and uh, <clears throat> then share just something that's sort of a word in general. Uh, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, the cutting of stones to set them, and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. Boy, this guy had some ability, didn't he? God-given ability. And behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan, in the hearts of all and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted. I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. And uh, in this picture, uh, this is the picture that I saw as I started to pray for you as a fellowship of believers. I kept seeing the picture of the Lord giving Moses this plan for the tabernacle, but, you know, he couldn't do it by himself. It wasn't God's will for him to do it by himself. He wasn't commissioned to do it by himself, but he saw the picture and he saw the plan. And then the Bible says that God chose some people and he put his spirit in them. Now, if my understanding is correct, all these Jewish people basically were nothing more than laborers. Uh, they'd spent their life making bricks as slaves. And it uh, really wasn't much of a job. They just got down in the mud and stomped straw into it and formed it into little blocks and, and baked them. And that's basically what they did. And so here's a couple of fellows, though, that God just poured this gift and talent into their their life, it would be, a, does anybody here beside me sort of challenge when it comes to working with tools and wood and things? Yeah, there you go. It's a, sort of, in some ways, it's a blessing because your wife never expects you to do anything. <laughs> so, honey, I really love to do that, but I just really don't know how. And uh, poor Rusty doesn't have a chance, does he? He's got a, probably a honeydew list a mile long, do you, Russ? At least, yeah. That doesn't mean he does it, but he's got the list anyway. And so God gave Moses these men to bless 
the work of God and to be involved in actually the carrying out of the vision. Uh, in the church that I'm connected with, they're doing a course right now called um, Dream Interpreters. Dream Interpreters. And the, the thought behind that is, is that God gives a person a dream and then he gives people gifted people to that person to help them carry out or interpret that dream and make it become reality. Every dreamer usually needs some dream interpreters to work along with them. And uh, every builder needs some, uh, a contractor needs builders to work with them. Every visionary needs counselors and people that can help make the vision or the dream become real. God doesn't want, now where does the dream start? It starts with God. See, this wasn't Moses' idea, but it was God's idea. It was God's dream to have a tabernacle that the people could worship at. And it was God's dream of what it was going to look like and what the furniture was going to look like and what the priest was going to wear. And I'm glad we don't have to dress that way nowadays. And I'd have to have a separate vehicle just to carry all the gear along. Amen? But, you know, thank God that things are simpler in some ways. But God still has dreams. He still gives vision to the church. He still raises up visionaries. And I see him giving Brother Byron the vision, but then giving other men and women the ability and the gifting to carry the vision out. And uh, it was, uh, you were speaking earlier of unity. And that's really what unity is all about. I was in a church one time as a pastor. I was the founding pastor there. And uh, I'm, there are certain areas that I'm gifted in. And there's certain abilities I have, but then there's other things about me that after a while really irritate people. <laughs> I have shortcomings, in other words. There's uh, things that people expect out of us sometimes that we're just not really able to deliver. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? And I had a man that worked beside me that really was there to be a co-laborer with me. And, you know, all the things that I lacked in, he had. You see, but there were areas that he was deficient in, and that's the areas that I was strong in, and I was the visionary and the one with the vision, but uh, he didn't really see fit at that time to sort of put his two cents worth into the pile. And so a lot of times it left me kind of hanging in the wind, so to speak. And uh, it, it sort of left my nakedness exposed because the areas that God had gifted him to, to be a strength to me I think in a sense he was saving that for a later date, <laughs> if you know what I mean, when he'd get his chance at bat. And I think the mark of every good minister is that they're willing to work in another man's vineyard. And uh, they're willing to do it not so that they're getting the glory, but so that the vineyard is a success. And, you know, if, if our whole goal in ministry is to be the success ourselves, and for people to, to have a name and to have a ministry and to have fame that we may not be seeing it correctly. But if our desire for ministry and our desire for success is for somebody else to make them look good, then I believe God can bless a heart that's like that, that's willing to serve others and even to see them get the credit for what you're doing, but it doesn't really matter because you're just waiting for the day when Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so that's the kind of hearts that God is looking for, hearts that are humble and hearts that have the bride, that hold that vision of the bride. You see, it's not Byron's bride. It's not my bride. 
and it isn't yours. It's his bride. And we're all commissioned to work and be part of that bride, but also some of us are commissioned to help the bride become beautiful. Amen? Not beautiful for ourselves, but beautiful for the Lord. And so the body of Christ isn't one or two gifted individuals, but it's a true body in every sense of the word. We all need each other and our respective giftings and callings if we're going to see the work get done. And you may say, well, look around, you know, we've, we've got the work done. You know, what is there left to do? Friends, all this is is just a meeting place. I mean, if, this is, if you think this is the church, then, uh, you know, we need to have a prayer line and pray for you because, uh, you know, you're... You know, you're just, well, I don't know what you are. You're not awake, that's for sure. You need to wake up and smell the coffee. See, the church is the people, isn't it? It's, it's who we are, who we're becoming in God, who God is shaping us to be and what he is doing in our midst. We're the church. This is just a building. It's not the church. If this building ceased to exist, would the church vanish and disappear? I hope not. I hope you're not here because of the flags or the carpet or the sound system. I hope you're here because of Jesus, because of one another. And so the Lord said that he's bringing a new sense of cohesion to the work here. He will accomplish this and as you allow him access to your hearts and minds. In other words, it's not just an automatic thing, but you have to say, God, here I am. You know, Lord, I'm willing. Go ahead, fill me. Give me wisdom. Give me grace. I'll get plugged in. I'll do whatever you call me to do. Whatever way you gift me and, and uh, anoint me, I'm, I'll, I'll be a servant. He works where there's harmony and unity. He has a quality of life and power to release into your midst the like of which you haven't yet seen. So I don't know what you've seen, but God has something for you that you haven't seen. He's got a quality of life, a quality of anointing and power for you that you haven't walked in yet. You may have walked in some things and seen some things, but you haven't taken hold of what God has for you yet. So stop talking about the good old days and the way things used to were, used to be and how they were way back when when we because you haven't entered into what you haven't tasted it, you haven't seen it yet. You might have seen hints of it, you might have had a little taste of it, but friend there's more ahead than there ever that you've ever left behind. You might feel like you've come a long way, but God said you just started the journey. <laughs> You're just getting started. Then the Lord told me to pray for those who feel that they're like Bezalel, or maybe you're in a Holiab, and God is anointing you to build a kingdom, but you're just sort of needing orders from a Moses. You know, now these fellows didn't know what to do. They just had all this gifting and talent. But Moses said, okay, I know what this thing's supposed to look like. And they'd do something and say, this it? No, that's not quite it. They'd do something, is that it? Well, it's almost, there it is, you got it, that's it. See, every gifted Aholiab in the, in the well, I'm glad we don't have names like that today. Bezalel needs a Moses. And every Moses needs a Bezalel and a Aholiab and anointed people with him. So... If that's you, if you feel like God's speaking something to you today and you're saying, Lord, you know, I think you've put something in me, but I don't know what to do with it or how it fits, but I'm willing to be available. I'm willing to have a Moses speak into my life. 
Or you may feel like, well, I don't feel like I have anything, but I'm sure willing to receive something because I want to be involved. I want to be involved in building God's kingdom, not just, well, we're, we've finished, what's next? That's when most churches start having trouble as soon as they complete their big church building project. They, then they start having trouble because everybody starts looking around and seeing this wrong and that wrong. And they, they lose vision. They lose momentum because all their vision was the building. Friend, you're the vision. You're God's dream. You're the thing that he died for. You're the reason he came back from the dead. It's you. If that's you and God is stirring your heart as I've shared this, this word and something stirring inside of you, and you can identify this, I'd like you just to stand up quickly where you are. I just want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the Bezaleels and the holy abs of life. Thank you, Father, for those that are willing, Father God, to be used to be servants. Pour out something special in them today, I pray. I pray for them, Father, that the giftings that you have put in their life will not be wasted. That you'll give Brother Byron that Moses vision, Father God, that, that dream that, that you're putting in his heart. Help him to look around and see these gifted people who sense a touch from God in their life and that are willing to put their hand to the wheel. They're willing to labor in the vineyard. They're willing to get plugged in and to be used. And Lord, I believe there's others that will respond as time goes on. And there's others that you're going to anoint for different seasons and for different jobs and different projects. And I just pray that there'll be a great release of life in this place and a, and a cohesion that will come that will bring forward momentum to the kingdom of God and that it will not just be coming to church and, and that doing church. But Lord, that there'll be a sense of being the church, being the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Someone once said, when God wants to get something done, He always calls a busy person to do it. Did you ever notice that? That people have so much going on, they're invested in so many things, and then someone wants them to give, give them another project. And that the people that are sitting around doing absolutely nothing hardly ever get asked to do anything. There's a good reason for that. That's why they're sitting around doing absolutely nothing now. Hello? <laughs> you think we ever get too old? When my dad was 79, he bought a pickup truck and a 16-foot flatbed trailer. And he went back on the road. My dad was an over-the-road truck driver for years, amongst many other things. And He told me, he said, if this business goes good, he said, a couple of years from now, I'm going to get me a bigger truck and a bigger trailer. I'm thinking 79 years old, making plans for the future. Well, you know what he did last week? He's 81 now. He bought the bigger truck, and he's having a 25-foot trailer made. He's getting ready to haul a load of stuff from Fort Wayne, Indiana, all the way up to Massachusetts. He goes out to the... 81 years old. Goodness sake. See, when God wants to get something done, He calls a busy person to do it. Some of us are just old. 
Now, my dad may be 81, but he's not old. <laughs> he's not old. His body, he has to make deference for his body and make allowance. But he's not an old person. See, some of us are just old. We need to get over it. We need to have an infusion of youth and fire. We need to have an infusion of God breathing into us His, His Spirit so that we can be stirred up. Hallelujah. Get busy. Put your hand to something. One thing will always lead to another in the kingdom. I don't care what it is. If you're just straightening up the rows of chairs every Sunday morning, somebody does that. Somebody straightens up those rows of chairs. If you didn't, they'd be in every other. There's, there's somebody that makes sure the air conditioning's turned on and off or that picks up the trash in the parking lot or makes sure the, there's always toilet paper in the bathroom. Amen? I mean, you know, there's people that do the, and I've discovered that people that are just willing to do the menial things are the people that God moves on. So I just want to encourage you. God's, got, God's going to release vision for this church more than what's been released. Or He's going to confirm the vision that has been, re been released and add to it. But it's going to take more than one person to take it forward. It won't happen if there's just a Byron, if there's just a Moses. One person can't do it. It's not God's will or plan that they should. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit of them, take wives, get, beget sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Now, here's a people that were carried away into captivity. And God said they're going to be gone for 70 years. Now, the false prophets were saying, hey, this will be over in no time. Don't even unpack your bags. You're just going to be here for a little while. And, uh, you know, they'd break these yokes. And then Jeremiah came up with a yoke of iron. And he said, well, you might have broken that wooden yoke, but God said he's made one of iron. And you're going to be here for the whole full term. And here's what God says to do. You better settle down and make the best out of your situation. Build homes, have gardens, have families, get married. And then he said, pray for the city. Seek the peace of the city, whether I've caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. In other words, as the city prospers, so shall you prosper. As the county prospers, so shall you prosper. And I heard the Lord say that He's gifting you with a powerful cadre of prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. And God has given you a mission and a commission to bless this region of the state. He's calling you to stand in the gap and call down His blessings over the region. He wants you to stand for the city and the rural areas. He wants you to call down His blessings on the businesses and the community at large. Now, if you don't do it, who will? Now, we live in a day, in fact, it's been almost eight years ago that uh, God gave me a word, and He said that, he, that this nation was in a birthing mode. And He said the church was in the birthing mode, but they're birthing two different things. And He said we're going to begin to see an increase of disasters in our land, natural disasters. They were going to increase in frequency and they were going to increase in intensity. In other words, there are going to be more natural disasters in America than we'd seen in, in the, maybe ever. 
And there, there's not only going to be more of them, they're going to be worse than they'd ever been. Now, that was about seven years ago when God told me that on New Year's Day. And I started proclaiming that and sharing it, wrote it in several newsletters. And I've just been watching that unfold. Have you ever noticed that God said that the weather patterns were going to begin to change? And that where people didn't get quite enough rain, now they're getting too much rain. And where they had too much rain, there wasn't going to be enough rain. There's going to be all kinds of just strange weather patterns. And it was going to bring disasters, uh, financial disasters. God said that he wasn't judging, that this was not his judgment on America in the sense of God sending it. But God said we were reaping what we have sowed as a nation. In other words, as a nation, we have planted these seeds of destruction. Every time we murder a little baby in abortion, we plant a seed. Every time we give false witness in a court, we plant a seed. Every time we lie about somebody, we plant a seed. Every time our nation does something crooked and underhanded as a government to some other, every time we do that, we plant a seed of our own destruction. You see, the trouble is nobody has been praying for crop failure. And these seeds are, birth, are birthing. See, these things that we've conceived in the Spirit are being birthed. But God promised, He said, if we'd stand in the gap, if we'd begin to pray like these people, that they were in a heathen nation, maybe one of the most heathen, godless nations on the earth. I don't know. Babylon was pretty heathen. It still is. But I'll tell you, I don't know too many more heathen Nathan nations than America. I haven't been to every country in the world, but I've been to a few. I'll tell you what, well, we've got some good, wonderful, fine Christian people here. But if my hope was in our government and in our nation, I'm afraid I'd be walking in fear and dread. Because there's nothing that I can see that gives me any hope or anticipation of the blessing of God, except if the church stand in the gap and pray. And God's calling you and commissioning you to do just that. If you want to see your area blessed, you better pray. If you want to see businesses be blessed here, you better pray. If you want your life to be blessed here and you want to have peace here, you better pray. Because if trouble comes here, friend, guess what? It's not going to bypass your door. You're going to be right here in the middle of it. If you want God to judge America, just think about that for a minute. You're here too. I want God to give America mercy. We need mercy. Now, some of us want mercy for us and judgment for everybody else. God, give me mercy and give him what he deserves. <laughs> Hello? But God's calling us to stand in the gap and pray for mercy, to pray for, for things to be held back so that we'll be able to live in peace and preach the gospel. Because this, as this area prospers, it's going to affect you and touch you as a church body. And God's commissioning you. Who are the prayer warriors here? Would you stand up, all you prayer warriors? And prayer warrior wannabes. Maybe God's stirring your heart to be a prayer warrior. Amen. I don't know if you've heard of anything called harps and bowls. Have you heard of harps and bowls? So that's not new here to you. Three or four years ago, God spoke to me and said, there's coming a new sound intercession. I didn't know what he meant, but I just saw worship and praise intermingled with it, and I didn't know. So then someone mentioned harps and bowls, and I thought it was a, some kind of a covered dish dinner with music. <laughs> I didn't know what it, what it was, but 
I just experienced for the first time myself just a couple of weeks ago. It was really powerful. And uh, I just, if you aren't doing that, I just would urge you to get involved in that. But Father, we just thank you for great release upon these intercessors, that there would be a prophetic anointing and a prophetic release upon their lives. God, that they wouldn't just be praying what they know about, praying uh, their will in the matter, but God, you would pour out your Holy Spirit on their life and begin to birth prayer in them, Lord, intercession in them, Father, that actually shakes the walls of Satan's kingdom. Lord, that you would use them, Lord, to just go into the darkest, deepest depths of the spirit world, Father God, and shine the light of God into it in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would let them speak words that are so filled with power and anointing, Father God, that it just causes Satan to tremble in his footsteps, Lord. Lord, that causes demons to retreat and captive people to be set free. Lord, we pray for a mighty move in this area, that this place would be known as an epicenter of an earthquake of God. Of number nine on the Richter scale, Father God. Lord, do a mighty shaking of the Holy Ghost and let it be centered right here in this place and let it affect this whole county and this whole region for you have called them to impact this region of the state, Father. And you're commissioning them to do it and you're blessing them and giving them authority and anointing to see it done in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Number three in 1 Samuel 16, it's the situation when uh, the evil spirit would trouble Saul. And the Bible says David took a harp and he played with his hand and so Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. And that's a pretty powerful picture of what anointed music can really do. And I see God doing something in the realm of music just as I saw that picture of, uh, heard that word of some a new sound coming to intercession, God has been speaking to me about something different coming in the realm of music, and, and uh, the vision is getting a little clearer all the time. In fact, as uh, I got this word for you, it helped me to clarify a little bit what I was seeing. I see some radical minstrels being raised up by the Lord. I mean, really radical minstrels. Now, that's not a new thing, radical minstrels. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have some pretty radical people making music right now, so that in itself is not, a, not necessarily a new thing. The thing that marks them as radical isn't their style of music. It's not some new radical style of headbanger music or something or what have you. It's not some new... Yeah, thank you, Lord. It's not some new style of, uh, you know, and maybe it is. I mean, I'm not saying it's not headbanger music. or what, I'm not saying what the music is or what the music isn't. But what I'm saying is that's not what marks them as being radical. The thing that marks them as being radical is the form of ministry they have in the Lord. That's where the radicalness is coming from. I believe that many of us want to see change and something different, especially young people. Young people are never satisfied with things the way they are. I believe God made them that way. That's not a bad thing. But it's just when we try to change it using our own methods or just to make change for change's sake, it doesn't always turn out the way we thought it should because the next generation comes along and they're just as dissatisfied with what we changed as we were with the thing we put our hand to, you see. And so 
It's not just changing things for change's sake. But these people are going to be like David of old who played his harp in such an anointed fashion that it ministered peace to a demonized Saul. Their ministries will not be confined to music, but I saw God releasing his power into the setting as well. I can remember many years ago, I, had an, I used to I write music and sing and play the guitar, and, and I was invited to go to this youth thing many years ago, and I was not much more than a youth myself. And I remember standing up and just singing a few songs that God had given to me, and, and as I began to sing these songs, all these young people began to cry. And I was thinking, Lord, my singing isn't that bad, you know, and... and uh, I mean, I know I'm, I'm not a professional singer, and I think my guitar's in tune. I, could, I didn't understand what was taking place. And, uh, but, man, the more I sang, the worse they cried. And it was the Holy Spirit, you see, was ministering to them while I was singing these songs. It was just a powerful thing that was taking place. And, of course, I was a young, inexperienced person myself. I didn't really know what to do with that. But I believe that God is going to give people like that to the body that when they get up and sing, we're not talking about entertainment tonight here. You know, and we're not talking about you making it big and cutting a disc and switching over to, you know, what they call that kind of crossover music. I mean, we're not talking about you becoming a millionaire and being a, a big talent. This is, we're not talking about that. If you wanted, that's the kind of music that you want to do, well, you know, go for it. But... We're talking about people that have a radical difference in their heart, and their, their music isn't for the music's sake, it's for Jesus' sake. Now, I'm, I would never call myself a professional musician. If you heard me play, you'd probably say amen. But I love music, and I love to sing, and I love to, to play, and I love to hear good music. But I know there's a difference. I have some friends that were professional musicians, and to them, the music was almost the end in itself. You know, it was all about the music and the, this and that. To me, music was never more than anything more than a tool. Yeah, I don't think that, Russ, I keep relating to you because I know you're a builder. I mean, you, you probably don't have a love affair going with your saw or your hammer. Or, I mean, you really like a good skill saw, but I mean, I'm sure you don't have a special place on your mantle and have it all chrome covered. That saw is just a tool. When it breaks down, you throw away and get another one. Because what you're building is something, that's just something that helps you build something. And the music and the worship and the, the songs are not there to just become God. And in some places where I go, the music is almost the center of everything. And it's 